welcome to this episode of the Wackenauer Podcast. I'm glad you have decided to tune in whenever you're listening to this. Last week we had a great testimony episode, which again, as always, that's nothing of me, Jackson, or Blair, but all from God, and we know that, but really hope you enjoyed that episode. I know it was a great episode. And yeah, so before we get into today's word, which is grace. We'll go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us, God. And just thank you for this awesome opportunity to be able to speak your word. Just please help me to be able to do it and to honor you through it and speak it accurately, God. And it would not be my words, but yours. And if someone happens to have stumbled upon this that doesn't know you, that they would come to. And just please help us to live for you and love you and love each other more every day. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Alright, so to start off with, I feel like it's been a long time since I've recorded an episode for the Lackadar Podcast, even though it hasn't really been that long. But the def- my definition of grace is the free, unearned, and undeserved gift of God. So that can mean a lot of different things. Of course, we'll look at it mainly from a, well, partly from a salvation aspect and then parts that come after salvation. But the key thing to know about this is that you cannot be saved without grace. And when we get to the Bible's definition, we'll talk about that. But grace is what saves us, not works. That's the key thing of grace. I've heard grace described as, described as God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is definitely what it is. But we'll go ahead and get the Bible or the biblical. I have in mind it's biblically. That's not right. It's not the biblically de- dictionary. It's the biblical dictionary. And it describes it as the old in the Old Testament, God's kindness toward his people. And that was through forgiveness of sins at points and just different things that God did for his people. Having them um, be over other nations. God just had his hand on it. And then it's basically the same in the New Testament, but it adds the most important part, which is Jesus. So the, the biblical definition is this. There's a lot of things, but the first one is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, which say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one may boast. So it's not a result of works. Grace is by no means work. Because if we could somehow manage, either scrape and crawl our way to good works, or maybe we are just a good person, then we would have some kind of advantage over other people. And when we get to heaven, we can say, I did this, 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 and this to get here. What did you do to get here? You know, we can't do that because of grace, and that is a good thing. Because if we did, then like I said, our selfish nature, we would brag here on earth and in heaven that we did this, 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 and this. So grace is what gets us into heaven. But then we learn that a guy named Jesus is full 
of grace and truth. And this is found in John 1, 14 through 17. And the Word, of course the Word is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth is very similar to love and truth, really. Because we have to be graceful to people because God was graceful to us. So we're supposed to be graceful to other people. But we also need that truth. Because if we're being graceful and not being truthful, then the people are going to keep doing what they're doing that we're having to be graceful for. Does that make sense? Because when we're just being graceful and not telling these people what they've done wrong, then we're going to have to keep pouring out grace and grace and grace and grace and grace because they're going to keep doing the thing they're doing. But when we're truthful with them and gracious and loving and tell them, I forgive you, but this was wrong, and tell them why, then that is good. Then he continues on. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For him coming, we receive grace upon grace. It's not a certain limit of grace and we can't go over that. We keep, we receive grace upon grace, grace abounding upon grace. Because of absolutely nothing we did. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Moses gave the law, but Jesus gives grace. Now you might be asking yourself, does that mean that the law is abolished? And so that I'll say this, Matthew 5.17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus says he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came to give grace. Because we know that on our own, we would screw it all up. We do screw the law up every single day. We're never going to fit everything in the law. But Jesus came to give us grace for that. Not just a little bit of grace. Grace upon grace. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we... Just stop. Stop trying to do the right thing. Stop trying to live under the law. Well, like we've talked about in the past, there are some laws we don't still live under. Like the um, civic laws of Israel and the um, ceremonial laws. We don't still have to live under those because we're not the nation of Israel. But the Ten Commandments and the moral laws, we're still under them. Killing people has not become okay. Well... So the world killing people has become okay through the form of abortion. But we still cannot relent on any kind of murder. Whether it's baby murder or whether it's murder in general. But any kind of murder we can't relent on. Because the Bible says to. So Paul addresses this about we have grace. So does that mean we can just go and do whatever we want to do? Because we have grace and we can fall back on the grace? No. Paul says, Romans 6, 15, What then? Are we to sin because we know we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. There's an exclamation point there. Paul was getting fired up. By no means. 
Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? You're either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Through that grace, we're no longer slaves of sin. We're no longer bound to sin. We're slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as the slaves of impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. What Paul is saying there was, you were once under sin. When you just had the law, you were sinning. Because you weren't upholding the law. But now, you have no excuse, because you're not under sin anymore, so why would you go back to living like you're under sin? It doesn't make any sense. Why, if you've been set free from sin, would you go back to doing what the law says to do? Why would you go back to going against the law, which is in theory going back and living for your old master? If you've been set out of prison, you're not going to go back and do the same things you did in prison just because you've been set free or because you were pardoned. Perfect example. If you go and you have done a, committed a crime, and you go to jail. But then you get... I can't remember. I think it's pardoned. And you get out of jail. The, and, but then you don't... Then you have to follow the laws of the land. Because if you don't, you're still serving the same master you were serving. And you might as well be back in jail. Then he picks up in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But... What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. What fruit were you getting from the things you were doing? You weren't getting any fruit. So why would you go back to living like an unsaved person? And all of this is addressing the law versus grace. Just because you have grace doesn't mean you can go back and live like the world. Because what fruit is that producing? If you tell people you've been saved by grace that... You are a sinner saved by grace. That you're no different than them other than you're a sinner saved by grace. And then you live just like them? That cheapens grace and makes it useless. And you might as well throw it out in the garbage can. And, or either burn it in the fire. Because you're cheapening grace to the point where you might as well not even... Call it grace because you haven't really experienced grace if you're still living like the world. Why would we think that the law is suddenly just vanquished because of grace? I think, and this is one of the reasons why I think James 2 sometimes causes so much controversy. Because we have drilled in people's heads grace, 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 grace. And that you don't have to work to be saved, you don't have to work to be saved, you don't have to work to be saved. We've drilled that in people's heads so much that while, yes, it is 1,000% true, we make it seem like 
that we don't have to work at all. That once we've been saved, we're just go around living our lives, happy-go-lucky. No! That's foolish. When you plant a new tree in your yard, you expect to get whatever kind of tree you planted. What if that tree said, I don't want to produce apples. I don't feel like I should have to produce apples because I was just planted. I want to produce oranges. It's ridiculous for us to think that. That we're so suddenly no longer under the law because we have grace. Yes, we have grace. And yes, we could not get to heaven without grace. But that doesn't mean we can just live however we want to because of grace. Because here's another illustration. If you're married or you have a significant other, then if you know, then you, if you, you go cheat on them. But you apologize for it. You come back and say, I'm sorry, but you have grace for me because we love each other. And then you keep going back and doing it. It's no different than saying you're a Christian, saying you've been saved by grace and not living for it. Not living under the things he's written down for us to do. And then I think I read 22. Yeah, that's about the fruit. And then 23, we just see, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of what we're what we've been saved from is death. So why in the world would we go back working for that? If you work, you probably get paid weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. I don't know. But why would you go work for something who's going to pay you in death? I personally like to get paid in money, and I personally like to get paid in eternal life. By living for Jesus, but by first accepting that gift of grace and becoming one of His. But not going back to living like I used to before He rescued me. Because that's a slap in God's face and spitting in His eye to say that. To go back to living like He did like He did before He saved you. How would you feel if you came up on your best friend's house and it was burning to the ground? And you ran in there and you saved them, pulled them out, and they came back in and ran. They came outside and they ran back in the house and said, No, I want to just sit here. That's what we do to God every time we sin. We run back in the burning down house. Why? Why do we do that? And that's me too. It's 100% me. God has saved us. We're out in the yard. Of the burning house. We're on our way to our new house. Our new mansion. But we keep holding on. Saying no let me go back. 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 Before long the building's just going to cave in on us. Before long the building's going to cave in. And it's better to be on your way to the mansion. Than be sitting in the house. That's burning. So, then, this verse is interesting. And I had a little bit of time with this verse. It's Romans 5.21. says this, So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it kind of confused me a little bit. I'll be honest. I'll read it again. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also must reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I went and I studied my ESV study Bible. Had 
nothing on that verse. So I have four study Bibles in total, my ESV, my KJV, my NASB, and my NIV. So my ESV, which is the one I usually use and the one I'm using today, and the one I probably will continue to use, I just have the other ones because some of them were gifts. I think all three of them were gifts. I only asked for one of them. I asked for the New American Standard. But I got the KJV for one of my birthdays, and then I got the NIV from a pastor here pretty recently. He gave it to me. And all are great resources, but I, the NIV, nope, didn't have this verse. And a footnote, so I couldn't find it in there. Um, New American Standard, nope. KJV, yes, it did. It had it in there, but it said... This verse so serves as a uh, summary of the chapter. Thanks a lot. That doesn't help me know what it means. So then I have a set of biblical commentaries given to me by brother Bill Miller. And I went to Romans and then I found it. And it talked about, it said the word reign. I was thinking like reign is a kingdom and in a way it is. So this is kind of what the verse means. So that as sin reigned or sin produced death, grace also might produce through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So while sin is going to just produce death, grace is going to produce righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace and the law, they're not opposed to each other. Grace comes to help us fulfill the law better. Because we can't do the law without it. We've been saved from having to do it by ourselves. And grace helps us to do it. Because grace is what gets us into heaven. You can do, you can uphold every letter of the law, but if you don't, if you've not accepted that gift of grace from Christ through Him, through believing He came, died on the cross for our sin, rose from the dead, and make Him the Lord of our life, then we we haven't accepted that grace, and we can uphold every letter of the law. And when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, "Yeah, you were a good person, but you never accepted my gift of free life." So why would we not while we're here? Then grace can mean other things. In Romans 12, 3 through 6, or 3 and 6, right? Paul speaking about spiritual gifts, and he says this For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then later on in verse 6, he said, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion, and then he goes on in proportion to our faith, and then he goes on to give other spiritual gifts. So grace, that's the only way we have spiritual gifts. Maybe your spiritual gift is to sing for God. We had Blair on last week who sings for the Lord. Maybe your gift is to speak for the Lord. Maybe your gift is to build things for the Lord. Maybe your gift is to work behind the scenes for the Lord. Who knows what your gift is, but it was given to you by grace, and you can't brag about it because you didn't do it on your own. Because even if you do have some kind of talent, if you're using it for the Lord, which you should be, then that's by grace. Because there's secular people and people that don't have anything to do with the Lord that can sing really well and can speak inspiring things and can build great mansions and can do things on a computer 
that people don't even think possible, but they're not using them for God. So they're great. They're not using the gifts of grace. They're just using what they know how to do. But when we use it for God, we're using it for gifts of grace. So that brings me to this. What kind of gift do you have? Do you have a gift that God's given you through His grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. What gift do you have? Because every Christian, once you've accepted that grace, you're given another amount of grace by a gift that you can give back to the Lord. <clears throat> and then he says this, one of the one of the most famous verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul has been given a thorn in the side, as he calls it, thorn in the flesh, so that he doesn't get prideful. And he asks God three times to remove. And that, this is, then this is what he says about that. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of God may rest upon me. God's grace is sufficient for us. We don't need any more. It didn't take Jesus. Jesus dying did not fill up 98% of the grief and grief grace, and we have to fill in the other 2%. That ain't how it works. The grace filled up 100% of our salvation. All we have to do is accept it and then live like we've accepted it. Because if we're not living like we've accepted it, then we obviously haven't accepted it. And I get there are times that we turn away. But we need to come running back when we do. And then I'm not going to throw a little Greek at you. Um, there's two Greek words. It looks like charisma, but it's not. I looked up how to say it, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not going to say it. I'm going to spell it for you guys. C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. That word are gifts freely received. Gifts you didn't earn, but you were just given for no reason. And we get that word from C. H-A-R-I-S which is grace. So the gift freely receiving comes from, it's derived from the word grace. And this is where we get saying grace before a meal through the free gift that was given to us because the food was more than, I mean, it wasn't free because somebody had to buy it. But we say grace before the meal. But it's like charisma and charis, I think is how you say it. But, I don't know, I could be completely wrong about that, but I looked it up and that's how it said to say it. But, could be wrong. So, if grace and gift are that similar in the Greek, and that's how they are with us, and it's true. Grace is a gift, but we have to, just like with any other gift, we have to pick it up. So it can sit there all day and us not use it, but we have to pick it up and use it for God's glory. And then he gives us more gifts to use for his glory. But we're never told, nowhere are we ever told to sit the gift down and go live like you want to. Or because you've got the gift, you can live like you want to. It's not a license to sin. It's freedom. For when we do sin, we're forgiven. But it doesn't let us go out and sin. That would be ridiculous. Then an interesting thing. This is, found this in the biblical dictionary. And it really confuses me, so I'm going to throw it out there to you guys and see what you think. And it says, Grace and the Holy Spirit were difficult to determine in the Bible. 
until Augustine turned it into more of a thing. And, August, and the, the Biblical Dictionary didn't seem to be favorable of this. And I think I know why. Because Augustine comes around and he says grace is like a thing. And while grace is a thing, I think the acts of grace and the acts of Holy Spirit are very similar. But Holy Spirit is a person, whereas grace is a verb, in my opinion. We're given grace. We're shown grace. So it's not really a verb, I don't guess. But it's not a thing, really. Or an idea. It's something we're lavish, that's lavished upon us. But whereas the Holy Spirit's a person, grace is what comes to us because we believe in Jesus. So I can see where the effects of grace and Holy Spirit will be the same. Because we get both Holy Spirit and grace when we get saved. So I don't know, but I don't think grace is like a thing and like the weird... Because apparently Augustine tried to describe it in some kind of weird, unbiblical way. I don't know. Maybe he was right. I don't know. I didn't do enough studying on that. But we have... we The grace is sitting on the table if you haven't already accepted it. And if you have, are you living like you have? Are you living like you've been saved or are you living like the world? It's a simple question. But sometimes the answer is not an answer we want to hear. But if you are living like the world, that, oh no, hold on. Whoa, I was about to say something really bad there. If you are living like you're supposed to, then great, keep it up. Because I feel like so too often, all sermons are and all this podcast is is just beating you down and I never want to be that way because most of the things I talk about address me just as much but for those who are living rightly I feel like we never encourage them so I want to encourage if you are living right keep it up don't let the world tell you to stop because I feel like for every ounce of reformation reformation is that a word I don't know. But any every ounce of reprimanding, admonishing you give, you should encourage. So I'm going to try to do a little bit better about that on podcast. But I'm not trying to encourage you if you're living in the world. You're not supposed to be encouraged there. You're supposed to be convicted. I mean, more than convicted. Changed. So, with all of that being said, I don't think I have anything else. Just live for Jesus. Use your gifts of grace for Him. And not for yourself. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to move into closing thoughts. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for just everything you've given us, God. Thank you most of all for grace, and that we get grace upon grace. Thank you for that, and help us to love you and live for you, God. And just please help us to love you and live for each other, and just be examples for you in everything we do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. song today because that's solely because well not solely I do have something on my heart but that's in part because I don't know the rest of the songs on the Casting Crowns album that well I know Desert Road it's good oh the songs are good 
I know Desert Road pretty well. And I know, um... Obviously, I don't... Crawl, The Power of the Cross, I think. And then... Uh, I know all the songs pretty well. And then Scars in Heaven. That's probably the most popular. I feel like there's another song. And while I'm talking, I'm, gonna, I'm looking it up. But... Uh, I just didn't feel led to do one this week. So that's why you have to listen to me. Healer, that's the other one. That's the name of the album. But, um... So we've had Crazy People, Anything But Easy, and Second Opinions. And I know... Desert Road, Power of the Cross, and Scars in Heaven. I don't know Healer as well as I know them, but just simply because I haven't listened to it as much. But, <clears throat> yeah, all good songs, but all that's to say, we're not doing a song today. But I'm going to talk for a second about perfection. Just because it's something that's been on my heart a little bit, and we all get in times where we struggle with it. And we're never going to be perfect. Does that mean we don't strive to be perfect? Absolutely not. We strive to live for Christ and live for God. But we have grace when we don't. But we never, ever, ever strive so hard for perfection that we, A, like worry ourselves into some kind of panic attack of sorts, or B, we like alienate or make other people feel bad. Because we're not called to be part, we're called to live for Christ, but we're never told to be perfect, that we're going to be perfect, because we're never told to be perfect. We're told to strive for perfection and be perfect as Jesus is perfect, but that's through his help, and we're never going to be 100% perfect, because we're sinners, and that's just something that's been on my heart, so if you're striving for, for perfection, lean on grace, lean on God, because that's a tiring life. I lived my life like that for a long time. Striving for everything to be perfect. And now, I mean, of course, I still strive for Jesus, but nothing's ever going to be perfect. We've got to realize that. And it frees you up. It lets you experience that grace like never before. So lean on that. Lean on that grace. Now, I'm not saying go out and sin, but don't, man, don't worry yourself into a frenzy because everything doesn't go 100% right. Because God's got a plan. Who knows? That might help someone. So if that helped you in any way, please, please don't strive to be 100% perfect in the little things. Live for Jesus, and don't go, don't go out and purposely sin. But don't, don't mess up your life or hurt other people because of your own perfection. Because that's not good. That's not. Good. And I hope that made sense. I'm not in any way saying to go out and sin. I am saying to strive for perfection in. Our relationship with Christ, but in the little things that don't matter, if they mess up, then don't get upset about it. Because God's bigger than that. And don't worry yourself into a heart attack about everything having to be perfect. Strive for perfection, but when you don't reach it, rely on that grace, repent of the sin, or even if it's not a sin, if it's a little thing that went wrong, move on. But if it is a sin, repent of the sin, get back to where you're supposed to be. Don't dwell in it. Don't dwell in anything that goes wrong. Because when you dwell in the wrong, you're just going to dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper in the wrong. So rely on that grace. Rely on your God. And he'll get you out of it. Yeah. Alright. So I don't think I have anything else other than we still have some of the old shirts. And I get to say old shirts now. That makes me really happy. Because 
We have new shirts on the way. And the day you're listening to this should be the very first day of March. So about a week after the first day you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Tuesday, the shirts will be in my possession. Which means shortly after that, they'll be in your possession. So I'm really excited about that. Thank you guys for how generous and loving and great you guys are. I feel like I can never say that enough. So old shirts are $20. New shirts are coming. And when they get here, if you'd like to give me $20, get your own. We didn't order as many as last time because we had a lot, a lot, a lot of extras. But, hey, we'll still have some extras. Bracelets, pop sockets, and bumper stickers. Still got all those, and those are free to you. March, we've already recorded the testimony episode for March, and Jackson and I are both super excited about that. And other things that are going on in the life of the Life and Our podcast that are actually happening today over oh, that I'm recording this. On Sunday, February 27th. But, knowing that it's all from God. And we just want to thank you guys. And, yeah. So, keep your eye out for the things God is doing through the Life of Our Podcast. And hopefully, God's using it to help you along your walk. I don't think I have anything else. I love you guys. Have a great week. Go point to the point. Goodbye.